What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. And we are talking about the AFC South. We are looking at it post free agency or post the big part of free agency. We previewed this. Uh, if you haven't seen or listened to the last couple of shows we've done post for agency, you should check those out. Just go to TDM Fantasy, wherever you listen to podcasts, and you will see those episodes. Now, the AFC South had absolutely no movement, guys. There was nothing that happened. There were no changes. Man, there wasn't even – we've got players that are currently on rosters celebrating birthdays today that are upset. So, you know, we got, we got a full gamut of things going on in this division, um, including – a lot of tanking potentially going on at the bottom of this division that we can talk about. But let's start off with the top, like we have in every episode with the two teams. Uh, we'll go Houston Texans first, and then we'll move into the Tennessee Titans. So we're going to start off with the Texans, who I'll give you guys the notable additions and notable losses off the top, and then we can obviously discuss the trade. But notable additions – wide receiver Randall Cobb, running back David Johnson, notable losses DeAndre Hopkins. DJ Reader, Jonathan Joseph. Now, the obvious one here is the loss of DeAndre Hopkins, Jake. So when you look at this and you look at their free agency as a whole, it's hard to even look at some of the re-signings like A.J. McCarron and Darren Fells and Bradley Roby and Vernon Hargraves and not just look at the sore spot that is DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, look, some of the stuff I like, Kiami Fairbairn coming back, Darren Fells, A.J. McCarron, like they kept some pieces in place. And I'm okay with them trading DeAndre Hopkins, just not for what they traded it for. It was god-awful. I mean, basically, you swap fours, a two, and, and you come keep on, the, man. And you take on a bad contract that David You take Johnson on a bad on. contract for David Johnson, who none of us know what he has left or if he even wants to play football. I mean, I like him in that offense if he's the old David Johnson, but he hasn't been in a long time, and he was healthy last year. There's no reason why he shouldn't have been David Johnson last year. And in the offense that was explosive and fun, he's going to be a freak out of the backfield catching the ball. Uh, but their offensive line isn't great. I don't know how, they're, how good they're going to run it. So I, I don't know how you can do anything but give them an F for this offseason, a flat-out F. I can't, I can't give them anything above that. It's awful. I mean, you can't replace – Hopkins with Randall Cobb. I like the signing. 
he plays in the slot. They need a slot guy, but they got a couple guys that could already kind of do that. That's it. Yeah, and look, the reality is, is there's nothing they can do that's going to overshadow the loss, which is the, the Hopkins trade. And uh, I, like everyone else, am baffled by the return there. Uh, I don't care if this was David Johnson post his rookie season. That's a bad deal. Like, I mean, it, it yeah. just that, that's the reality. Of the For there's just a no second, point. yeah. Yeah, there's no point in, in history where this is a good deal. Uh, so I, I'm just, I, again, as we talked about, my, my baby mama index is really high on the player. <laughs> Like DeAndre Hopkins, is like, I'm sorry. Like there, there's, uh, by all accounts, there's nothing nefarious going on here. You have to, you have to on some level understand that your superstar players, just like in any profession, your superstars, your CEOs, whatever, get to do and get to get away with a little bit more than the people at the bottom of the food chain. Just, just how things work, and especially in professional sports, because if you can't get over that on some level, now there, there's a limit, but. There's no indication that DeAndre Hopkins was a problem uh, by no. any means. So this the is great more of an, dude an, an, that comes from annoyance. nothing with a blind mom that he loves. He gives every touch. Come on, man. That's all yeah, bullshit. You, you got to get over this stuff. No, that's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, they get enough for this offseason because they haven't addressed any of the actual issues this team faces, which uh, they can't stop anybody. Uh, apparently, there is no 28 point lead that is safe for them. Uh, now, again, to be, to be fair, I mean, the Chiefs did that to everybody, but Houston's defense and Houston's secondary has been an issue for years, plural. And that did not get any better this offseason. Their offensive line didn't get any better this offseason. Uh, I like Randall Cobb, but not more than DeAndre Hopkins. I think I'm, I'm intrigued by David Johnson, but I don't think that's going to be a game changer for this offense because I don't know how much David Johnson has left. They don't have a first round pick because of the Tunsil deal. I, I just I look at this team and I go, I could see this team being, you know, they're not going to be at the bottom of the division because Jacksonville exists, but I could see this being a six-win team next year. And, yeah, worse, and that's, period. Yeah, and that's devastating. With a quarterback the caliber of Deshaun Watson, this should not be a six-win team if he's healthy. And that's kind of, I, I haven't gone through and done my win totals yet, but I can't see this team finishing above 500 unless they just some crazy things happen. I thought they were an 8-8 eight eight team last year. And they were a little bit better than that because the quarterback's that good and DeAndre Hopkins is that good. To compound on what you said, not having a first-round pick, they traded Jadavian Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins and didn't get a first-round pick back. Yep. How the hell is that possible? It's a, it's a great point. Like, th those are two – talking about number one overall pick and a, if not the best wide receiver, top two. Him and Michael yeah. Thomas. Like, it's – to me, I look at that and I go, that in and of itself is just a failure. It's a failure. And as we know with GMs, you don't get the luxury of having the total package, right? You get, you get one or two really, really bad moves, and that's how you're judged. And Bill O'Brien is the GM. He's got total power here. And we've argued and talked about that at length. But I think as of right now, You've got your quarterback, your superstar quarterback, by the way, who is approaching the end of that rookie deal, right? We always talk about that window. He's approaching the end of that deal. And all of a sudden, after you trade away his quote-unquote best friend, right, the guy he loves in the locker room the most, and now he's tweeting cryptic messages. Now, whether or not you want to buy into that or not, he's a young guy. This is how people deal with their emotions and their feelings now. It's on social media. So, Jamie, how much – how much do we have to buy into this? Because eventually, if this turns really bad between Deshaun Watson and Bill O'Brien, is the organization going to have to be forced to choose? Because it kind of feels like that might happen. Yeah, I, I mean, as, as we look at this, the reality is there's 
a certain window here. I mean, look, he's going to be under contract this year. They're going to have the fifth year option that they're going to be able to use on him. Then they're going to be able to use the franchise tag after that. So we're really talking about 2023 before there's really a, 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 a spot where they can essentially keep him against his will for lack of a better phrase. Uh, but I do think they're going to have to address this quarterback head coach dynamic because I don't think Deshaun Watson is there 2023 and beyond if Bill O'Brien is still there in 2023 or beyond. But I also don't think he's still there if this roster is as talent poor as it currently is either. And again, this is a roster that was very top heavy to begin with. Now you move out a top piece and you don't really get better anywhere. Uh, So it's a concern. It's not a concern for this year in terms of like where Deshaun Watson would go. It's a concern from trying to make the playoffs. Uh, But I do think this is going to be an issue for them. But I think this is a two or three years down the road issue for them. Now, they have to do some things in the meantime to not, not get it to the point of no return because you, you do at some point have a finite window. It might be three. It might be four years if you do a double franchise tag. But at some point, Deshaun Watson can leave if he wants to leave. And you're, that is terrible news if you're a Texans fan. If that's what he wants to do a couple years down the road, you need to do everything you can to mitigate that. He doesn't get to make that decision today. He doesn't get to make that decision in the offseason. doesn't even really get to make that decision two offseasons from now unless he's going to hold out. So – you have some time to fix this, but you need to actively keep this in the back of your mind if you're the Texans and go, at some point, if it becomes to losing your franchise quarterback versus a questionable head coach GM combination, usually the quarterback's going to win out there. Five years ago, Jamie, I'd agree with everything you just said, but the landscape of the NFL now with these young players bitching and demanding trades and all this kind of stuff, I think he has the leverage this, this nine months from now in January. They're going to go six and ten. He can go to the owner and say, look, I'm not coming back. I'm holding out. Trade me. It's me or Bill. Hire a GM. Hire a coach. Get me some damn weapons. Or I'm bouncing a second that I'm able to. Or I'm going to hold out, and I'm not coming back to play for you. And I think he has the leverage to do that. I don't think he's that kind of kid out in the public, per se. But I can see him sitting down with the ownership and going, and his management going, look, this has gone south in a hurry. And- I love Houston. I'm, I'm planted here. Like, this is where I want to be but you better make some decisions. I can see that happen in January. And I honestly, I, and you know how I think on usually, but I wouldn't blame him because no. this is, this is yeah. ridiculous. I, I mean, at a certain point, we've talked about this dynamic. There is a reason that a head coach GM dynamic has had success in every organization for long periods of time. And don't call me with the Bill Belichick stuff because even Belichick- He's the greatest GM ever. Thank you. He's had some questionable decision-making over the last few years on moving away from players and making trades and doing certain things. Now, he gets that, uh, he gets that leverage because he's got six rings, okay? Period. That's it. That's all that matters. Bill O'Brien don't have any rings. So he doesn't- he got a get ring to- from being an assistant under Bill. Yeah, it that doesn't, doesn't make you a GM. Mm-mm, no. You, you don't get to use that. You, you have six. He's got six head coaching Super Bowls. That's it. That's all that matters. He gets that leverage. Nobody else gets that leverage. And I just, I don't understand why this Bill O'Brien stuff has happened because it's the more time that I've sat on this Deshaun Hopkins stuff, I, I've just become increasingly more upset at Bill O'Brien and honestly more thankful that he's here in Arizona because since the second he got here, he's already donated money to Arizona for, for he, he hasn't even been, he hasn't spent a single lick of time with this organization and he's donating money to be, to help out with coronavirus. He's got, he's reached out to his teammates. He's said a bunch of stuff about, Hey, what's up AZ? Just trying to integrate himself. So from all accounts from the outside, 
it looks really bad for Bill O'Brien because all the diva wide receiver stuff, you kind of got to deal with a little bit of that with every wide receiver. But by all accounts, Deshaun Hopkins is not a diva. And so that's where I look at this and I go, I, I don't care what else you did. This is an F. Like it doesn't I, I matter. I love that you just went Brangelina on us and went to Sean yeah. Hopkins and not DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins. You, you mixed, but they yeah. were married. I yes. get it. They, they were a couple. Yes. And they and they broke up. So you 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 merged them together. Look, this is awful. This is awful. It's awful. Like, there, That's the only no way to way describe it. on the inside, it. the outside. You know what's crazy too is you go back and look at the Forbes numbers that came out. The the freaking Houston Texans are in the top ten in the world in sports franchises worth. They're like number four or five in the NFL. This ownership is worth a ton of money to have Bill O'Brien have this much power and screw this up this bad. I don't know if they just don't want to pay attention to it. They thought they found their guy or what, but I think Watson has the ability this off season to go force their hand. And I hope he does. I hope he does because like Jalen Ramsey, Stefan Diggs, some of these other ones I, I haven't agreed with, but this one I'm all for. Yeah, I'm pro. I am pro the player in this scenario. The last thing I want to end up with you guys, because I know we gave them a F across the board and it's hard to focus on anything else that they did other than uh, the obvious horrendous trade. But from a fantasy perspective, Jamie, the way too early, let's look at the rankings shenanigans, right? David Johnson obviously coming off a horrible season, right? A, a horrible season with the Arizona Cardinals, or disappointing season, I should say, is, is probably the proper word. More disappointing in real life than fantasy. Yes. Uh, fantasy affords you a lot of mistakes that yeah. right. don't get covered PPR up in the real game. The worst thing yes, yeah. yes. So where, where are your way too early rankings for how you view David Johnson going into a new system next year in Houston? It's really tough. David Johnson is going to be somebody that I spend, you know, a lot of time on this offseason because it, there's so much unknown. And I actually, I wrote about this for Sports Illustrated right at the day of the trade, just like an instant reaction. And it's, I, I don't know what to do with him necessarily. Um, I know there's a, one of the top players in the world for the fantasy football world championships. I asked him where he had David Johnson instant reaction after this deal. He said somewhere in the fourth round is where he would take him there. It's, I was thinking fifth immediately. It was like, okay, yeah, I'm more of a value guy. You guys know that. I was like, all right, if he's there in the fifth, full point PPR. Yeah, I full like PPR. Because I, I, I don't, I don't think there's going to be a lot of rushing yards. No, he's an RB two. I, I think you're looking at him in that late teens, maybe right around that top twenty mark um, at running back. Because again, even last year, I'm trying to pull up the exact, like as weird as things were uh, last year, he was still. Um, he was still valuable up until that game that he was active and then didn't play and then really didn't come back there. He ended up not finishing in the top 30 overall, but for the first half of the season, he was a legitimate still RB2 for you in fantasy. And I think he can be that. He's going to get the opportunity. He's going to have to get the By the way, Duke Johnson's still there. He is. And, and they don't Who's going to play on third down? Who's going to play in two minute? Who's going to be like, well, they don't have Hopkins there anymore, so maybe Johnson's out wide a little bit more. He uh, might be in the but, slot. Who knows? It's a yeah. weird combination. Like, they, they like Duke, and they would have moved on from him. Plus, this is all pre-draft. So, like, we need to talk fantasy about Watson as well. Yeah, he's, he's not as he's high as he was one. last year, right? I mean, they're going to add receivers, of no. course, in this draft, but they're going to be rookies. Yeah, he's an interesting one, too, because I, I looked at him, and because a lot of guys are moving up. But Deshaun Watson, just because of his, his scrambling ability, has always been able to kind of maintain that top three. He's still going to be a QB1 for me. I just don't know where in that, you know, he's, I don't think he's going to be top five anymore for me, no, but I, I still know, think eight, he's going to be. Eight, nine, ten, maybe. 
Yeah, I still think he's a so top much 10 of guy. what he did was scramble and throw it to Hopkins. Well, and also he now always what happens, had that superstar to throw back shoulder to throw it up that he made all those catches. That that's gone. No, and what look? There's still not a, there's still not a, a viable tight end there. There's no still uh, Will Fuller is is a walking injury risk. Uh, it is and what was it, great it, what it on is. the other side of Hopkins, but now he's your one. And again, and can you legitimately project more than ten games for him? No, I, 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 I don't like think Kenny you can. Stills, but like he's he's gone. a three. Right, Randall he, Cobb's a three. Kiki QT, they hate. Like <laughs> I, I just I, I they're just they got a whole lot of you, you have an an That's off injured two, a couple number three receivers, no real tight end. You have a couple pass catching backs which help in, in Duke Johnson and David Johnson, but there's no way his numbers can improve. The question is, is how far are they cut by the loss of Hopkins? And there's nothing they're going to do in the draft to make up for that cut. I don't, their I don't defense care. is going to suck, so they're going to be trying to come back in yeah. a bunch of these games. So that's all going to be on him. Paige, what draft picks do they have? Because I know they don't have a first. They don't have a first, so I'm going to have to look that up because I didn't They got two up. seconds. They should. Um, well, they get, this, they get the second from Arizona, which is early. Yeah, it's an early one. It should be. So, you know, and then you swap fours. Uh, I mean, yeah, you got, they've got 57th overall, they've got 90. So they don't have, they don't have two seconds. No, they only have the one. They picked up. So they didn't even have a second. So they got rid of it in Tunsil. Yeah. So they got the 57th overall, the 90th overall, they have a fourth round via the Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills trade. So they get a fourth round. That's 111. They get 131, 171, 240, and two compensatory picks in the seventh round. But like, so they're getting, they they're, they they're getting one, no better from this draft. They don't have one top 50 pick in this draft. That's you're, you're liable to go. You're liable to come out of this draft with no starters. And you have two total top 100 picks, 57 and 90. That's it. Yeah, and at 50, 57, uh, Joe Marino has him taking uh, – Michael Pittman Jr. Um, in that spot. I know we talked which about it a little be, bit which on, on last week. So. I like that because I like, the guy. I I like just, him. He's that kind of kid, but that's they high do. for him. That's high. Nobody, nobody has him going that high. Yeah. He's, he's climbing draft board, but nobody's got him that high. Yeah, we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious to see how these day two receivers go because it's, we all know who the day one guys are. And then the questions of if, if guys like Chenault could sneak into like maybe Green Bay uh, in the back part of the first round. So we, but we kind of know what the top guys are. I want to see where in the second round do teams start to panic. If let's say Ayuk goes off the board early and, and Higgins goes off the board early. Let's say Chenault's off the board already in either at the end of round one or round two. I want to see do some of these teams start to panic and do we get like a, almost like a fantasy draft like positional run? Or do teams remain patient? Because I'm seeing a Who lot of these receivers. Claypool that early? Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, be- I'm seeing a lot of these receivers. I'm like, I know this is a great draft, but I mean, are we going to have what a dozen receivers go in the first two days? It's a great draft receivers? if you get them where you should be able to get them. If what you're talking about happens, it's not a great draft because now you're overdrafting receivers. Yeah, and there's going to be people that wait in the fourth and fifth round. They get really good players. They just played at smaller schools and ran weird forties and, and that kind of stuff. The John Browns of the world. Antonio Browns of the world. They just – they have – listen, guys, they just have too many holes. They haven't protected their quarterback since he's been there. They traded away their best asset other than Deshaun Watson, and they didn't get better. They and, traded away their best asset because he's better than Deshaun Watson. Yeah. I mean, he's the best at his position. One, Deshaun two. Watson's a damn good player, damn good young player. He misses too many open people. He doesn't read the field very well. He has it. The Michael Jordan comparison is great because he has this ability to win and will you to games. Yeah. But DeAndre Hopkins was their best player by far. And he's gone. And he didn't even get a first-round pick. Yeah. It's, uh, it got worse, period. 
It's an F. It's an F around the board. Uh, And moving on to the Tennessee Titans, who made some moves and are – but not a ton. This wasn't a a sexy, like, flashy version, which we projected, right? When we previewed this, we said, guys – they're probably going to re-sign Tannehill. They're probably going to run back Derrick Henry, right? All these things that happen, we we said these are things that are going to happen. Tannehill signs a four-year, $118 million extension. They place the franchise tag on Derrick Henry. They add Vic Beasley from the Falcons. They lose. Now Jack Conklin uh, goes to the Browns. We've talked about that. Uh, Jarrell Casey and Tajay Sharp. But this is going to look very similar to what we looked at last year, the team that went into the AFC championship game, right? Which is what we anticipated happening. We, we looked at this team and we said, listen, they, they more than likely believe that if they run this back with Ryan Tannehill and Eric Henry and this defense, the way that they played with the good coaching and the good special teams that they have played with over the last two seasons, this is a team that believes that if they can, they can go win anywhere. They went up to Foxborough. They went up to, to Baltimore. They went up two places last year where nobody goes up to and wins and won two road games, right? Then they went to Kansas City and they met Patrick Mahomes, right? So it's this team is running it back. Now, when you look at it, though, Jake, do you think they got worse this offseason or are you happy with what they've done so far? I think they got a tad worse. I don't know how you can lose Jarrell Casey in another bad trade. And – and lose Jack Conklin for agency and think that you got better. Now that's before the draft, but if you don't replace Jack Conklin with another star right tackle, who's not, you're losing a veteran too. He's replacing him with a rookie. Vic Beasley's whatever at this point, he was a star coming out. He hasn't done anything in Atlanta. They let him go. I don't know that that helps a ton. That doesn't make me feel better about things, but you lost a superstar on the front trenches and a superstar on the defensive trenches on a team that's built from the trenches to run it down your throat and stop the run. This defense was overrated. I think it finished 21st last year, total defense. It was good at times. It was not great for most of the year. Uh, so in my opinion, I'd give them a B minus because they brought their quarterback back. They got their running back coming back. They've got some good young pieces uh, like John U. Smith, A.J. Brown's a star. Corey Davis is there for another year, should be. Corey Davis, by the way, was like the third overall pick of the draft. I saw that the other day. I was like, I knew he was a first rounder, but damn, I forgot he, was the, he went that early. <laughs> yeah, he was early. Uh, I mean, I like their pieces. But they got hot. I don't know that they really can go to all these places again next year and do that. Joe Casey's a damn star. Jack Conklin's a badass. Like, I, I don't know. I, I can't say they got better. I'd give them a B minus, but it was solid. They did what they had to do with what they had available. Yeah, and that's where I am too. I, I give them a B. Uh, you know, you, you down, the Jarrell Casey loss is big, and that's something that maybe they address with that late first-round pick if they don't trade back. Maybe Again, not the same type of player, but maybe a Blacklock uh, could be somebody that they add there at the end of the first round. I still think they're a trade-out candidate, maybe a, a pick of multiple seconds or a first next year or late first next year type of a thing where they are. Because I don't really think if, – if they're content with Dennis Kelly playing right tackle next year where they signed uh, to a three-year deal, which they might be, by the way, then you're really at that point probably going to move back because I don't think – I had them taking uh, like Niang out of TCU or like Austin Jackson or somebody like that in that spot where I'm not, not sure they're going to do that now because uh, those would have been slight reaches there, but I don't think they're going to make a slight reach for, for a tackle at this point. Maybe they will. But, yeah, look, the goal of this offseason was to lock in Tannehill. Uh, I think the biggest thing is getting Derrick Henry on the franchise tag, assuming he shows up to – Assuming he doesn't hold is. out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, assume whenever camp shows up again, um, because again, I, I, paying running backs is uh, is a nightmare. It is what it is. It sucks. I, I want these guys to get their money from a personal standpoint, but 
if you're from a team standpoint, it's been a disaster for pretty much every single team that has done it. Uh, so getting him, you know, on a franchise tag, I think was a big win, but they are not a better team than they were last year. Their improvements will come by getting six extra games of Ryan Tannehill over what they were getting from Marcus Mariota to start the year. But I, I still don't consider them any among the top, top AFC contenders. Uh, they just, I know, they I know they put beat, everything they had on tape Yeah, and now they got to, you know, Tannehill played enough games that you know you got to stop the run and make him beat you. And he did at times. He couldn't at times. Is there any Logan Ryan news? Are they, did they have I a chance to bring him back or has he signed anything? I had nothing I nothing new. Nothing okay. new. So he's still probably leaving because to me that's a big yeah. piece. He got hurt this year. He's one of those guys that came from New England, New Vrabel, plays multiple positions on that defense, great locker room guy, great leadership. They lose that piece off this defense as well. Like they played a lot of the year without him and they went to the playoff run without him. But like to me, that's a really good solid player that they're gonna lose as well. They're a good team. They're not a great team. Like yeah. they're 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 a playoff caliber team. Uh they might even win this division. Uh, but it's I, I can't again, I don't consider them a Super Bowl contender at, at the moment. I didn't last year either and and they went on a great run and they got hot, but I just can't imagine things going better for them this year. I think what got better for them is that the Texans got worse that Jacksonville's somehow might even get worse than they were before. Uh, and that's their best thing going that, you know, I could see this team winning the division, maybe even winning a play, you know, playing a playoff game or two, but uh, I, I don't see them getting back to the AC championship game. Yeah. Not, not with Mahomes and company still there. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be, listen, this team overachieved probably uh, for, for what they got hot in the right moments, but give them credit. I, yeah. Give them credit for what they did, right? They were able I don't like to- this team going into Baltimore. I don't like this team going into Pittsburgh. I don't like this team going into Cleveland. I don't like this team going into Kansas City. I don't like this team going into Los Angeles against the Chargers. Yeah, I mean. I think the AFC is going to look way different than it looked last year, right? I think yeah, lot- by the way, that wasn't even mentioned anybody in the East. I don't, I don't like them yeah. going to Buffalo. No, mm-hmm. I don't like going to Buffalo going to either. So- I mean, I don't. Yeah, it's it's going to be so when we let's run through quickly their draft uh, picks because obviously they they haven't made a ton of splash news and I did double check just as of right now because I watched this morning but Logan Logan Ryan remains one of those unsigned um, free agents as of right now so he's not he's not been signed um, so there hasn't been any news in that category but they do have they do pick in the first round right they they pick at twenty nine then they pick at sixty one ninety three one seventy four two thirty seven and two forty three. Right. So they have a first, a second, a third, they skip a fourth, go fifth, two sevens. Right. So they, they do have some picks here where Jamie, I think you, you, you brought up a good point where they could potentially move out of the first round and pick up some more draft capital in the second or the third and go get some more people that they want. If they don't want to go and, and get a guard or a right tackle or somebody on offensive line, they, one of the, one of the mock drafts I'm looking at right here has them taking Cesar Ruiz, um, in, at yeah. pick at, in at their 60 uh, 61st pick right uh, oh well, he's he's now he's not going to be there that's what i that's it, I, that's I, that's not a draft network one which uh that's that's why it's probably so off because yeah, obviously it should only be I, like those guards have moved up like yeah. those guards moved up considerably at that point I, I, Joe Marino, I got for saying that the ravens should take one in the first round yeah i know nobody likes uh, the freaking meat and potatoes picks uh <laughs> joe, joe marino has not taking aj apenza in his latest mock i actually uh for si i'm i'm Dipping my toe in the mock draft water. So I started wow. looking at player uh, player names there. I have a Penza and Ruiz both off the board before Tennessee's pick at 29. So I, that, that's why I think this this could get really interesting for them because at that point, you, you could, there are still players that are useful for them, but 
if a team is itching to trade back up, maybe let's say Jordan Love is still on the board at that point. Maybe New England doesn't take him there or take him at 23. I think you could start to see a team itching to trade up. And, you know, I think Green Bay, San Francisco, and KC all have needs that they can fill in round one that they might be a little bit harder to trade with than Tennessee there at 29. Yeah. So final grades here, guys, because they didn't have to, uh, they didn't have to do that much, right? There wasn't a ton that you had to do here, but they at least had some movement. So final grade, Jake, that you give here. B minus. B minus. Jamie? B. 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 Yeah. Just, just average. Get their, get their quarterback. I think the biggest thing that you mentioned, Jamie, is they get, they get a full season of Ryan Tannehill, right? So you're going to, you're going to find out real quickly whether or not that was worth it. Right. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion around the Ryan Tannehill contract, and we'll get into that in his. If he fantasy. stays healthy, I like it. If they, yeah, they, they, I agree. If they stay healthy, they can win some games. Like they're solid. Yeah, they, I like this. They, this was a solid offseason. They didn't have a lot of money to play with. They couldn't get crazy anyway. So, I mean, I like what they did. B minus is damn solid compared to some of the other teams we've talked about. It's a hell of a lot better than an F for Houston. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Look, and look, the reality is, is, is I don't think Tannehill is going to be as good or as efficient as he was last season. No, but hard, you can have him for be. more games. So you take getting if you take not get eighty five or ninety percent of that production, but you get it for five or six extra games, that's where the difference is going to be. I, I do think one other thing before we get off though, I really am interested to see if they grab a veteran running back or they get somebody late because I do think limiting Henry's touches early in the season is going to be a key for them. He got he's gotten really strong in the back half of the season the last two years, and it's really been their huge advantage that he is just bulldozing tired and often hurt injured defenders late in the season. I'm, there's a point where that you're going to get diminishing returns on that. So I think keeping him fresher in the early months is going to be important. And they don't really have another option there right now that's reliable, that can take even five, six, seven, eight carries away from him early in the season. It's a great yeah. point. They also lost Deion Lewis. So yes. if they are coming from behind or they got to go two-minute third down, Derrick Henry's first and second down only kind of player. So they got, I think they got to add somebody in this draft and there's, there's plenty of them pass catching back. I don't know if you really want to go with a rookie in that situation or if there's, there's still some guys on the street, Theo Riddick, somebody like that. They can fill a couple of these needs for you, but that's a great point. I mean, they only got him at this point and they lost Deion Lewis. All right. Moving on to the Indianapolis Colts who are going to look significantly different because they got a new quarterback, right? So notable additions here leading off with quarterback Phillip Rivers coming over from the Chargers Kind of a surprising trade, right, uh, in DeForest Buckner from the 49ers going to Indianapolis, a, a big, a big addition for this team. 49ers fans not very happy about that. And then picking up cornerback Xavier Rhodes, they lose their cornerback Pierre Desir. Uh, but, guys, the big thing here is obviously the picking up of both, listen, Rivers, Buckner, those are big moves. Um, and And whether or not you agree that, Rivers has a lot left or regressed last year. I think everybody on this podcast agrees that what they ended up getting out of Jacoby Brissett last year, this is an upgrade. Um, no matter if they get a 80% version of Phillip Rivers uh, or 100% version, I think the, the, the fire is still there, right? Or he wouldn't be coming back to play. And I think this, this could be a really interesting change of pace for Philip Rivers. And I'm actually really excited to see what he does this season um, Indianapolis with head coach Frank Wright. Jake, what are your thoughts on the moves that Indianapolis has made so far? I love what they've done. Now, Philip Rivers has regressed. He's aging. He doesn't have the strongest arm in the world, but he anticipates so well. And he always puts you in the right play to succeed offensively. He's fine with running the hell out of the ball, and they're damn good at it. But that offensive line, he's not going to take the pressure that he had last year. 
they're going to have plenty of weapons out there. They got plenty of running backs. Naheem Hines, I think, is going to have a big year. I think Marlon Mack is going to just keep blowing up. Uh, I love what they did there because he's fine with checking to a run. And like I've said about their home field advantage, Peyton Manning put them those fans in a place where you could hear a pin drop offensively. Phillip hasn't played like that in a while. He's going to absolutely love that fan base, love living there, love being there. I love the Phillip Rivers addition. He's going to be an upgrade from Jacoby Brissett, who they still have if Phillip gets hurt. But Phillip never misses a game. Yeah. To me, signing the sign and trade of DeForest Buckner. So they, they trade their 14th pick thinking, okay, we need interior defensive line help. Derek Brown, Kinlaw, probably going to be gone. Where we're going to pick, let's trade that pick. Let's sign that really good player to an extension. That was awesome to me. I, I, I absolutely, Chris Ballard has done a phenomenal job. And he does it for you know, a very value-based what he gets back. I like the addition of Xavier Rhodes. You're still talking about a big guy who I think is going to be motivated, who needed to change the scenery. He can still play. He played good in the playoffs. He got toasted most of the year. But he's a big dude that plays on an island, and they've got a pretty solid secondary if, if they're healthy. Leonard in the middle. Now you've added DeForest Buckner up, you know, up the middle, big-time run stopper. San Francisco didn't have a choice. I mean, they had Solomon Thomas. They had five first-round picks. They had Somebody yeah. had to go. They couldn't pay them all. Um, and they got a first-round pick back. So San Francisco's now – you went to, you know, went to the Super Bowl and is sitting with two first round picks. Yeah. I, I like it from, from both places. To me, I give them a B plus before we even go into the draft. I think they're going to add a lot more of those value-based guys that just keep plugging holes to a really solid team. Damn good offensive line. Defensive line got better. Really good linebackers. Really good young secondary. Um, to me, I, I think they're my pick to win the division at this point. Yeah, the, the Buckner trade with San Francisco is one of those rare, true win-wins. Like, I, I really like what both teams did there. San Francisco basically had to make a choice between Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner. They're keeping Armstead. And by the way, they're probably going to use that pick on one of the three premier wide receivers in this draft. Mm-hmm. And they're going to add that to Debo Samuel, give another weapon for Jimmy Garoppolo to throw to. Uh, and so that's going to work out really well for them. And then they're still going to be able to add, uh, you know, maybe a, another corner or somebody or add to that defensive line with maybe Blacklock. Uh, at the end of the first round. So I like what they're doing there. And like Jake said, the, the rationale here is let's go get a player that's better than the guy we're going to get now. We have a ton of cap space to play with. So the difference in dollars isn't going to be that big of a deal for them in the first couple of years of this anyway. Get the better player right now. Uh, Philip Rivers it was in his time. Is, it was not a rookie, yeah. right? Like you're getting yeah. a guy that's like plug and play Pro Bowl potential defensive tackle. In a winnable division. And, and yeah. again, I think that's, that's extremely important. This is, it's a very winnable division. Now, I know only one team's going to get a buy now after the NFL have kind of approved that change. So you're not really – none of these teams we're talking about today are in contention to be the number one overall team in the AFC. But the Colts can win this division. And with Phillip Rivers, the one thing that can kind of hold back the hands of time for him a little bit is strong protection. And the upgrade from the, what the Chargers line was last year to what the Colts line is going to be this year is actually one of the biggest upgrades possible. The Chargers were one of like the four worst graded offensive lines last year. He's now moving to a top one. So this is the, almost as big of a change as you can make, which is going to really help him. It's a little bit of a downgrade in weapons because he only has one really premier option you could trust in T.Y. Hilton. Uh, I like Jack Doyle. Uh, but uh, until I see more from Paris Campbell and some of these other guys, there's not really that reliable other option there. I'm with Jake. Naeem Hines is really intriguing to me, both a real life and fantasy perspective, because who's going to be that dumped down guy? Marlon Mack has just not been tasked with that really at any point in his career. And they don't really seem to want him to have those kind of tasks. So 
I'm really interested to see how he performs this You're year. You're talking about a bigger, faster Austin Eckler. Who, yes. If Naeem Hines can get that chemistry with Rivers and take another step in his career, he could be an absolute monster. And I love T.Y. Hilton. I think he's going to love Jack Doyle. Yes. I, think, I think Rivers is going to love Jay. You're talking about a pro that runs every route, the depth that they're supposed to go, all those things that Phillip Rivers, when he anticipates, he's throwing it early because he's seeing it better than most quarterbacks that are playing. Those are the kind of guys he's going to love. Everything's always going to be where it's supposed to be. Yep. I, I, again, I like, I like what they've done so far. Xavier Rhodes is a, is a prove-it deal. There, there was no risk in that deal. So yeah. if they have a strong – I mean, again, they don't have a first-round pick now, but it, it's, this is a team that's set up to, win, to compete and possibly even win this division. I, I think it's a two-team race at this point. I, I really do. I know Houston has, still has Deshaun Watson, and, but I, I, just, I think the Colts and Titans are just better built all around yeah. than what the Texans team is. I think this is a two-team race at the top. I mean, people forget they, they drafted Malik Hooker from Ohio State who struggled mm-hmm. with injuries, who, who's a star safety. Rocky Asin from Temple yeah. played well last year. I really like him. Like, if that secondary is healthy, then you add Xavier Rhodes to it, who doesn't maybe not have to play straight man anymore. Yeah, good luck. I, I don't, I, I don't know, man. Like, Phillip Rivers with this offensive line, with Jack Doyle, with Naheem Hines, they run the ball, Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton healthy. And if any of those young receivers can take another step, and I think they will with Phillip Rivers, he's going to – He's one of those guys out there working nonstop. Uh, and I think they'll add some weapons in this draft. That's, that's what I wanted to get to here is because although they don't have a first-round pick, they have two seconds, right? So they pick at 34, they pick at 44, and then they pick at 75 in the third round. So there's some opportunities here to, A, get some really good talent to add because Jamie is right. This isn't the – although he upgraded an offensive line, he had technically on paper better weapons, right, in, in Los Oh, he Angeles. definitely had better no. weapons. But I think the ones he has there can develop into what he wants very Correct. Well. Correct. And it, it's going to look different, right? It's going to look much different. He's going to have a offensive line where he can establish the run and run the football much better. And he's not going to be running for his life. Last year was one of the, I mean, it was horrible to watch Phillip Rivers and he had a lot of turnovers because of it, but that was because the protection would break down routinely. But this is they, when you look at their draft, we said no first rounder, but they got, they go 34, 44, 75, then they got a fourth, a fifth and three, six rounders, right? So they got some, they got and some. And don't be surprised if they package those six and move back up to the fourth or something like that. I mean, they're going to get solid value added special teams backups and probably a couple starters. And one of those is probably going to be a weapon. I love I love what Indianapolis has done for a long time. That's one of the better GM situations going on, and I'm a big fan of Frank Reich. So I think this is I think this has been a good off season. If you give it a letter grade, Jamie, I'll let you go first here. What letter grade are you giving the Indianapolis Colts? B plus. Really like what they did. Um, you know, we talked we talked about them for two off seasons having the space, and uh, I think they're set up to be really strong this year. Uh, and we'll see what they do with those, those two second round picks. Uh, Joe Marino has them taking T Higgins and uh, Terrell Lewis. Um, in, uh, in those two spots there in the, in the top 45. So we'll see if the, those will be great additions to that team. So uh, I'm excited to see what they do. Uh, I think this is a team that, for my money right now, I think I would pick them to win the division slightly over the Titans. Uh, and I, I think, again, this is a team that has been – it's so funny because, you know, you said how much you've liked the way this team has been, been managed from a front office standpoint. For so long, they were so mismanaged in the, Peyton, in the end of the Peyton Manning era. Of it was just Peyton Manning and nobody. And considering that they're potentially future Hall of Fame franchise quarterback just retires out of the blue on a Saturday night last offseason, and yet they're still 
still contenders last year for a, a period of time and are going to be division contenders this year is remarkable. How many teams could handle that right now? If Deshaun Watson retired no. tomorrow, how many wins do the Texans have next year? How many wins do the Texans have two. in two years? Two. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a remarkable job. that. They're, and by the way, they're still in a really strong cap situation. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the other part. Job. Yeah, that's the other part. Still in a great cap situation. So I think – Man, it's hard to not think about what that team would look like with Andrew Luck, but uh, it's, it's, we'll move on to the Jacksonville Jaguars who ended at uh, in last place in their division, right? Have, have made a ton of moves. This, this team is going to look significantly different uh, this year than it has in, in years past. Their notable additions here, they add linebacker Joe Schobert, they add tight end Tyler Eifert, they add Al Woods. They lose A.J. Boyer, they lose Nick Foles, they lose Calais Campbell, they lose Marcel Darius, uh, and Gakwe's all but gone, right, guys? I, yeah. I mean, he's – They're just waiting he, for the draft. They're just waiting for a, a, a day of move. So this, this defense specifically, right, is going to look a lot different, right? But let's – before we even get into the, these moves, I just want to go because – they have a lot of – I'm going to give you the draft capital that they have off the top so that you can evaluate, right? Because they've now got two first-round picks. They've got 9 and 20. They've got 42, 73, 116, 118, 140, 165, 170, 189, 206, and 223. So they have two firsts. Before they trade in Gakwe. Yes, before they trade in Gakwe, right? So they got two firsts, a second, a third, three-fourths, two-fifths, two-sixths, and a seventh. So they got a lot of draft capital. So they're, if you're going to tank, quote unquote, this is kind of like the recipe for the, what I wouldn't call tanking. I'd call retooling, rebuilding, trying to deciding that you need to kind of hit the refresh button. Right. And, and what you had wasn't working. Right. So Jamie, I'll let you go first here. When you look at all the movement that's been made, the trades that have been made and the inevitable, and Gakwe, now obviously we don't know what they're going to get, but I assume it's going to be something good in return. Uh, what's Maybe. Your overall... I think it might be a day, day two pick at this point. Yeah, day two um, pick for sure. But overall, what's your, your outlook on the Jacksonville Jaguars in this free agency? Uh, I mean, look, this was the reckoning um, from a lot of different things. When the Jaguars signed all those veteran free agents a few years ago, they knew they had a very, very tight window and that this day of reckoning was going to come. Like we all knew it. Uh, unfortunately for them, their window lasted one year which I don't think is what they anticipated. Uh, and again, I, they, they should have been in the Super Bowl that year. They weren't. They didn't win. They, they choked that game away late against the Patriots. They're not there. Uh, everything blows up, and they have just a dismal season after that. Uh, they hand Nick Foles a ton of money. Uh, was just objectively awful for them. Uh, it's, so th- th- this was expected. They, they did this to themselves. And in some ways, they knew it. They just got a one- or two-year shorter window than they were expecting to have. Uh, I like the Joe Schobert signing. Uh, I like Tyler Eifert signing. I know he's a guy that's a lot of injury history. And look, the Jaguars know about pass catchers with long injury history. That seems to be a, a thing that just surrounds this team all the time. With a lot of talented pass catchers, but not a lot of guys that are consistently staying on the field. But I, I like those additions. Boyer was, we knew it was going to happen. Uh, the biggest thing is getting someone to take Nick Foles' contract. That was the, to me, that was the biggest move of their offseason. And they just, they got their, for lack of a better phrase, they got their ass handed to them on the Calais Campbell deal. And, and, they kind of knew it was going to happen. Kind of. Get the, kind of. They dumped the salary, though. Yeah, like, but they dumped the salary. But from a talent perspective, like, they, they did that. No, the you can't replace that. Happen, but like you but, said, the reckoning was, was here. Yeah. So, I mean, I look, it, it's – 
I mean, I guess I give them maybe like a C minus. Like, I, I don't know what their offseason wasn't structured for them to win anytime soon. So you got to be happy with, with some of the draft capital that they were able to get and what they still get for Ndokwe. But to me, the biggest thing for them, their biggest move of the offseason is getting somebody else to take on the rest of Nick Foles' deal. And look, it was a disaster for them taking on a huge cap hit this year, but at least this will be the end of it for them. It'll be Chicago's problem going forward. Look, they put a team on the field in week one last year that I picked to beat the Chiefs. And for a quarter and a half, looked pretty damn good. Nick Foles blows out his shoulder, and I liked Min- Minstash. I'm going to call him the Jaguar King. Um, like enough to I, I liked it. I got liked what I saw. And then he played his ass off. And then but you're right. Well, like they the team they put on the field in week one last year was gone by the middle of the second quarter. And this offseason had to be this. I'm gonna go outside the box and give them a B. I like what they've done because they didn't have a choice. They had to get rid of big names, old veteran players with monster contracts and get rid of all of them. They're probably gonna have a different head coach and a different GM next year. Yep. I like what they're doing. I now they got to replace, they got to do some serious stuff in this draft for it to be better than that. But I'd give them a B minus C plus, honestly, like I like what they've done because they didn't really have a choice. They built this team for that window and that window slammed shut on them. And then you had to get rid of all these pieces. So while you did get your teeth kicked in, Clayus Campbell for a fifth rounder, I love it for the Ravens, but you got rid of that contract. You got rid of Boye's contract. You got rid of Nick Foles contract. The fact that somebody took on Nick Foles contract and you're not stuck with it, to me, gives them an A for the offense. <laughs> but it definitely gives them a C plus, B minus. Like, I'm going to give them a B. I like what they've done. Now, they got to have a really good draft to stay there. But they got a ton of capital. They're going to get more from Ngakwe. And they got a ton of holes to fill. A ton of holes to fill. They're going to suck next year. But they're going to have to do that to go, okay, we're going to have a new head coach, a new GM, probably. I mean, Caldwell and Marone, I like both of them. But, and maybe they can – change things up w- without, you know, the godfather up here above them who's now gone. Um, but I like what they've done. They didn't have a choice. Now they need a quarterback. They're going to go into the season with Minstash, the Jaguar King. He's going to be fun, but they're not going to win any games. No, he's going to be really like marketable. Yeah, I like, I like Chark. They got some, they got some pieces. Uh, I like the Schobert thing. I like Al Woods. Al Woods is a solid freaking player. I like Eifert. They, they got nothing in him. If he stays healthy, it's a solid player. He's a good player and he's always hurt. But, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if it's a day two pick for Ngakwe, I think it's an early one. I mean, if you're yeah. talking about a second rounder, I think it's an early second rounder. Uh, and that's why I, I, I think, think this is probably like an incomplete grade. Because I, I need this this more than most teams in the league. We need to see what point. they do on draft day. Good point. Uh, and just because, I mean, I mean, Marino has them taking Ken Law and McKinney uh, in, yeah, the, in the draft, which are good. Two awesome picks there if, if, if that's how the chips fall for them. That's just, on, that's just day one. Yeah. Uh, we're not even talking about all the other capital they have. So this is a team that by the end of it, you can look at and say, okay, they got through the, the worst of the situation. They're still going to need a quarterback down the road, but they're building every other aspect of their team and it starts right now. So it probably to be, to, to be more fair, I should probably say incomplete because we need to see what they do with all this capital first. But yeah, to Jake's like point that. for the rebuild they're trying to do, they deserve an A for what they've done so far. It's hard to grade these teams because you're looking at them. Okay. Is the goal to win games? Yeah. Most of the teams we've done is, okay, we're trying to yeah. build a team to win games. They did that. They got to dismantle that team and try to rebuild it again. You're going to have a bunch of rookies on rookie deals. And, look, mm-hmm. the stash will win you some games. He's also going to lose you some games. But the guys are going to like playing for him. They're going to play They're going to play their asses off, play hard for Doug Marone. I know he ain't tanking. He's fighting for his job. So is Caldwell. I mean, if they have a really solid draft, they're not going to win a lot of games. But I like what they've done to start rebuilding this 
because their window slammed shut on them. Like I said, the team they put on the field week one last year, I thought was going to be pretty damn good. I really I'll, did. I'll but they had a ton roster. of injuries, and it all just went. Yeah. I mean, you, you think about where that Jalen Ramsey scenario obviously played a factor in, in the turmoil in the locker room and the fighting with his head coach on the sidelines and just, just where this team was. Yeah, they're going to have two number ones next year, by the way. They're going to have theirs yeah. and another one from the Rams. They also that's, – that's where you look at the totality of what this team is. This is a team where free agency is a eh, – right? They're kind of in the middle because – Who wants they, to go to Jacksonville? Who wants to go to Jacksonville and suck? A lot of people want to go a couple years ago and that window was open. Yeah. Yeah. Who who wants to go to London in two years and win? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a lot. Maybe a lot. If Look, if they have a really good draft and there's a super young nucleus and they get the first pick next year and that's Trevor Lawrence. And then they come back around the next year and have two firsts. That's the thing. It's always about talent. It's about the quarterback situation. Nobody wants to go live in Green Bay, but as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, people will sign up to go play with him. That's the reality of it. If they think they can win, if they think they can – if they're an offensive player, they have a quarterback, they think they can get them the ball, they'll they'll find their way into whatever town or city they need to. That's going to be the key. If they think you're terrible, there's only so much the the legacy can have at this point. I mean, look, we're all under the assumption that that the stash was a hell of a lot better than Nick Foles last year, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, watched, and the kid's yeah. fun. Like, they, they're going to be okay to watch. They're going to be young, and they're going to be out there scrapping it, playing the NFL, you know, but, taking some lumps and learning as they go. But, I, I, I mean, I agree with Jamie. Like, I'm giving them a B right now, but it's incomplete. This draft could be – they could be really on their way to rebuilding this thing. Yeah, I think they set themselves up for exactly what they want. Right, which is at the end of the day, this team isn't going to be led by Gardner Minshew, I don't believe, in two years. I think this is a stopgap. We're going to – the kid's marketable. He's fun. He's he, And Jacksonville, at the end of the day, isn't a strong fan base to begin with. Right, It isn't a place where people line up to go watch football games, even when they're good. Right, So I think you, you punt this season. Now, we know they're not from a – you punt the season from the high level, right? Where you look you punt at the season with AJ Boyes and Clayus Campbell's and, and those kind Correct. of guys, and you're Correct. going to replace them with rookies and young yes. guys that are out there playing their tails off. They're going to make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And that's okay because they're going to have, they got a lot of talent. They, they can pick up in this draft. They got a lot of talent. They can pick up in next year's draft. But the big question mark that will hang over them is if they do all this and they land themselves, one of these top tier quarterbacks, is that the, game changer for them right does it turn out the way they want it they're to? still a few years away from that even if they get of one. course but if they if this goes well then you have that much capital next year and next year's draft goes well and these guys all have to play next year because they're young and they're not very talented there's all these guys are on the field taking their lumps but they're learning yeah i mean because they're a couple years away from rebuilding this thing pretty nice and i think there's one point we should make it and i know it's sometimes we kind of lose sight of this but it happens all the time there's going to be more than just Trevor Lawrence. He's not going to be the only good quarterback to come into right. the league over the next handful of years. Uh, and, and I think and I'm not what we saw with Joe Burrow is not going to happen for again, maybe ever, maybe for a long time where someone just com- comes completely off the radar and has, I mean, arguably the best college football season of all time. Uh, but I would just going like, to be, yeah. but remember when it was, was going to be Tua where everyone's taking for Thank Tua, then, then Burrow. And then that would just, I'm I'm in the camp with some of these draft network guys that I think the Dolphins might take Herbert now. I, uh, I mean, I'm hearing some rumblings <laughs> that they love him. So like, I, to death of that injury. 
so Tua could be the third quarterback off the board here. And, that's, and, I'm, and I'm not trying to knock Tua. I'm just saying what we think one, two, three years in advance about the QB situations changed so much. And even if Lawrence is the, the clear-cut number one guy, he's not going to be the only good quarterback to enter the league in the next two or three years. You don't only, it's not, if we don't get Lawrence and we've wasted our time, is, is a, a bad way to think about this. No, if they have a great draft, they will not have the first pick next year because Mimstash will win them a couple games. He's going to lose them a bunch. But that kid will go win them a couple games. These young players, if they're that talented, McKinney will make a play. Kinlaw will make a play. Chark will make a big catch. They will beat another team that has a backup quarterback that they're playing or something. I don't think they'll be the first pick. It's a great point, Jamie. They're not tanking for anybody. They're going to be young and not very talented, so they're going to get their ass kicked a lot of weeks. But I don't think they're going to have the first pick. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the NFL. Listen. I like Doug Marone, man. Doug Marone's teams play hard. I, I, I love Trevor Lawrence. But Justin Fields threw 40 touchdowns and one interception last year. Okay? Like, it's like Justin it's – Justin Fields is not going to be in the top we'll see, I, category with, with – There's going to be – we'll see what happens is all I'm saying. There's – There will be other year, guys, yes. I didn't hear one damn thing about Joe Burrow up until he started winning football games. Okay? And look, the, the, other, the other factor, too, That is, was all it was. The other factor, too, is that what stops him from trading for somebody? Like, it doesn't have to be a rookie that comes in in year two or year three of this rebuild if we consider this year one. It doesn't have to be a rookie. Like, I, I mean, especially now, like, uh, maybe, these Q, maybe we see more of these saturated QB markets that we are yeah. seeing right now where, no, you're not going to get one. I mean, the Brady thing is obviously something you don't see very often. But, yeah, you may not be getting one of the 10 best starters in the league, but maybe you get one of the 20 best. And all of a sudden, that becomes really interesting. So, it's it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I think the point is, is, is it's so easy to lock yourself into if we don't get this one specific player, this is all a waste. And it's just not, it's not yeah, how it works. You saw and Carolina, who we yeah. thought was going to do that, go, okay, no, hell no. We're signing Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. We're signing a bunch of guys. We went from, we thought they were going to tank to, damn, they, okay. That, that wasn't the worst I, I argued this on Twitter the other day and people got all worked up and I, I have to, we'll end with this. Okay. So bears fans were having this one specific bears beat writer was having this argument about if you could have a 13 and three season this year, right. In any team, but we'll use this he was using and you go to the NFC championship game, but you lose. Would you rather have that scenario or would you rather go three and 13 and be able to pick Trevor Lawrence? And I, I 13 lost, and three all day long. I lost my goddamn mind because I was like, if anybody that played sports, covered sports, is around sports, tells you that they would rather watch three and thirteen over thirteen and three and go into the NFC Championship game, I would question everything about you as a sports writer. One, I, I'm going to say this is a great beat writer that knows his fan base because look at your reaction. I was just pissed. But for Bears fans, a bunch of them are going to go, hmm, now we've been to a Super Bowl fairly recently. That's ex- We've won a couple games. We've never had a quarterback. I think I'm okay with sucking for a year. I couldn't do it. Give me 13-3 oh, no with a chance to go to the Super Bowl all not day only, long. But that only, sounds like a good beat writer that knows his freaking fan not base. Only, not only that, but I would like to bring this into the scenario because thank you, Kyle Krabs, for doing the research. You have only a 20% chance of having the first overall pick if you have a 3-13 and record. So that was first and foremost – that's that that point in and of itself too i argue with them because there's no guarantee trevor lawrence is going to be healthy in a year you don't know that I, I, Come you know, on. I need this. and we've talked about this on the show a lot and i continue to bring it up because i think it i think it's extremely important because it's something that 
it's upset me as a sports fan because it's not just NFL. And, and I know some of you, if you've been a long time listener to the show, you're going to hear a lot of the same points I made before. So just bear with me, but it's worth repeating. We have, I think as a collective sports fan base, we have lost our way. We have become so prospect uh, in loved and so we're prospect huggers now in all of these sports. And again, I'm, I'm a huge football, baseball, hockey guy. And baseball was the first one to jump into this, and now it's it's permeating the NFL world to to a, a, an unbelievable extent as well. We have forgotten the purpose of all this is to win games. Everything you're doing is to win games. The reason why you want to get that quarterback is to win games. So to take away guaranteed wins to get hopeful wins down the road, as they knock everything over in, in on my desk here, is stupid. And, and I think I. You know, and I brought this up, the Mookie Betts example before. Oh, God. And when yeah. it happened, it's happening again. You have a bona fide superstar who you are okay with your team trading to get because of years of control for a prospect down the road. And it's just like, and again, I know it's more nuanced than that. And it's not a baseball podcast. We won't get into that. But it's that mentality that we are seeing across sports now where it's, there's like two or three fan bases that really want to win. And then the second you own a two game losing streak, everybody else wants to lose. Jamie, the perfect and example it, is the Bucks. I, I got it. people blowing yeah. me up saying, Tom Brady's old. What are we going to do for the future? You have a team that's built to win a oh, Super Bowl man. with better quarterback play. You're the greatest of all time. How can anybody not love that? By the way, you've won one Super Bowl in six playoff games in the history of your franchise. Who gives a shit about the future? Thank you've you. got a couple year window with the greatest of all time, who yeah. by all accounts hasn't lost a whole lot and a roster you're bringing back to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. That is the goal. The goal is not the future. The goal is not to hope Jameis Winston gets better because he's younger or to go draft one of these kids in the first round instead. Oh, by the way, that that hope for the future thing isn't afforded to anybody who actually gets paid to be in the NFL, just so we're clear. Because everybody else that wants to talk about that, that's nice for the fans to talk about. Well, let me tell you something. If you go into the ownership and you're trying to pitch them on hoping for the future, good freaking luck. Because they and, only care about what is happening right now. Show me yes. wins right now. Hey, what's the NFL stand for? I tell you. Not for long. Damn Skippy. And it's just, it just, to me, it's, just, it's frustrating to hear fan bases actively wanting their teams to lose. I just think there's, there's something inherently wrong with it and by the way and i understand maybe if you're late in the season and you're one in 14 and you're competing for number one picks sure. you know what i kind of hope they lose that last game sure okay I'm, there's nothing wrong with that but teams that are like two and two teams that are two and three and be like oh well the season i, I just again the old phrase one in the hand is worth two in the bush it, it, look it up look up what that means and, and the application of that in life and in sports and it just to me it's just frustrating that there are, there are a lot of fans that are more interested in the race to the bottom than they are to the race to a championship. And I just think that's the opposite of what you want. They pay general managers to handle that stuff, to think three, four, five, six, seven years down the road. Doesn't mean you can't think about it. Doesn't mean you can't have an opinion, but that's what they pay them for. I don't want to pay money to go watch a football team lose and be like, yes, they lost. They have a 3.7% better chance of getting the player I want them to take that might make them five percent better next season and that's kind of what this has become and I think it's taking away from the enjoyment it's taking away from people actually going out and having their the, the radical fandom of their team because they're so worried about there's only in their mind there's only one 
result. There's, there's, there's two results. You either get the number one pick or you win the Super Bowl, and anything in between is a waste. And that's a ridiculous way to think. But I think a lot of people have talked themselves into this happening now. It's, it's a ridiculous loser mentality. That's the only way. If you played sports, there is no chance that you can buy into this. And it's, it's the reason that I, that I wore the Chicago Bulls stuff that I have on that these two can see that the other can is because I invite you to learn what winning mentality looks like by watching the Michael Jordan documentary that's going to drop on ESPN. Since we have no sports to watch, learn about what it's like to only want and care about just winning because we have completely lost sight of that culture. Because you're so obsessed with what could happen. No, it, what matters right now? Let's go win right now. And that's what I can, I can assure you, there isn't a damn athlete in the NFL, NBA, or any, any competitive sport that's buying into, yeah, you know, we'll just lose this season and, and we'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do next year. That's not how that works. That's, it's absolutely not how it works. You can't play at a high level like that. So um, that loser mentality, it's got to go. So I'm glad we ended the podcast with this because I've been just festering over this BS that I saw on Twitter and I knew that I could count on both of you to just absolutely just destroy this whole mentality because it's crap. It's, It's absolutely terrible. So Jake, any other parting thoughts besides we don't want any losers listening to the podcast? (laughs) <laughs> yeah good luck with that um it's weird as another division that we're looking at you know maybe nine and seven ten and six winner and then a six and ten and a three and thirteen it's it's a way we go through this man you just have such a great feel by the time we do pre-free agency post-free agency post-draft going into when we do our picks you got a really damn good feel of how these teams and these divisions are going to go. Now you're going to get stuff wrong. Teams are going to get hot. Teams are going to get injured, but it's another division where you're going, okay, there's a pretty clear cut hierarchy here. And those two teams have to stay healthy to win it in Indianapolis and Tennessee, in my opinion. Jamie, parting thoughts. Uh, I think my party thought is just a brief comment. We've talked about this on the show before, but the NFL approving the expanded postseason for this upcoming season uh, one bye, as we alluded to earlier, only the top team in each conference gets a bye. We're going to get six games on Wild Card Weekend. Some weird Nickelodeon thing to it. I'm curious to read more into. Uh, and, and look, anything to get more fans into the game. I know people might laugh at that, but if if they're going to present a product to get more kids interested in, in the NFL, I think that's that's a good thing. I agree. Uh, but again, I don't think we needed more teams. Uh, I'm going to very much enjoy the extra games on Wild Card Weekend. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to try to you know be holier than thou about that. I'm going to very much enjoy the extra playoff football, but. Uh, it's going to be very interesting because if I remember when they added that second wildcard team in baseball and how it changed the way things went down the stretch, uh, the NFL doesn't have the same deal with the trade deadline because it's so much earlier in the season than baseballs where they're going to have where it was like really holding up things at the MLB trade deadline because so many teams thought they were still in contention. Uh, but there are going to be so many teams that are still going to be in contention I mean, both the AFC and the NFC now next year with this extra team being involved. So I'm very interested to see how that plays out because we're entering that uncharted territory uh, for that this year and the next year with the extra game, uh, most likely. So that's uh, a great point, Jamie. I think a lot of teams, I think week 16, week 17 is going to be awesome because some of these teams might have a three game lead in their division, but they want that number one seed. Now the only one person gets it. I don't think you're going to see any of these. Good for fantasy. Yeah, it's going to be great for fantasy, but it's going to be awesome for real life, too, that I don't think anybody's going to be sitting a bunch of these players going, nah, man, we need this buy bad. 
my my parting thoughts are here. If I see anybody complaining about having extra sports after we've sat what three weeks now with no sports, I'm gonna lose it because you should. I'm just and gonna. Counting. I am just going to be thankful that there is anything live happening for my eyes to watch when it comes back. So just some appreciation and some gratitude that we got so spoiled that we were upset at the thought of them adding another football game. Yeah, please add all the football games. I want all of them at this point. I'm so starved for any live sporting events that I'll take all of it. Uh, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Jamie? Follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can check out Joe Marino's mock draft on the draftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.